following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. As we watch the suburban garden gnome carefully, carefully without disturbing it, we notice that it moves like not at all. It's inanimate and utterly without brain function. But despite that, when a garden gnome hears about how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, it's clear to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. But on second thoughts, maybe don't watch garden gnomes too carefully. People might talk. Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. It's my privilege today to have Jeffrey Morad as my guest. Jeffrey and I go way back. I I first spoke to Jeffrey when he was an owner and CEO of the San Diego Padres. Uh, Jeff's a guy that's uh, done just about everything in the business of sports. Lawyer, agent, CEO, team owner, you name it. Jeff's done it all. He right now is the co-head of the Global Sports Initiative for Morgan Lewis. He's chairman and CEO of Morad Sports Partners, an investment management company that invests in sports-related businesses. Jeff, it's been a long time. How are you, buddy? Mike, good to be here. Thank you. So let's let's go right to the top of what's in the news. Carolina Panthers for sale, sort of, I guess, a uh, for sale, if you will, uh, the current owner, Jerry Richardson, who's owned the team since its founding, got into a little bit of hot water uh, for some things that were happening at the Panthers. And uh, now, or since the Super Bowl ended, uh, is, has the team on the market. Let me just get your thought uh, on on what the price might be. We'll, we'll start with that. You know, I, I've been reading in the papers people talking about 2 to $3 billion. Um, I'm not so sure I buy that, uh, given the current economics of the NFL. But you're the expert. Tell me what you think. Well, you know, look, the, from, a, from the seller's standpoint, uh, the good news is uh, the NFL still is the most popular sports league in America. And uh, the, the values of their franchises reflect that. And, you know, whether it's, you know, $2.5 or Three billion. Uh, at some level, uh, it doesn't matter because it's going to set a new standard for that league. Uh, the highest sale to date has been Buffalo, uh, which was in the billion four range uh, several years back, and it's certain that Carolina will sell for significantly more. And taking a moment to thank our supporters: Amica Insurance, Varadesk, and Rocket Mortgage. More about these companies later in the show. One of the things I find interesting is that, on the one hand, the last two years, we've seen pretty significant drops in the ratings for the National Football League on its broadcasts on the networks. And even the Thursday night games haven't been doing that well. Yet, recently, we've seen the NFL sign a new Thursday deal uh, with Fox, that surpassed previous expectations was certainly a lot more than the 400 million NBC and CBS were paying. Um, this new deal with Fox is a is 47 percent more. Um, Amazon last year to stream the games paid 50 million. Uh, you know that was uh, I think the previous deal was 10 million. 
So a big increase there. What's the dynamic there, Jeff, in terms of these higher high fees, yet at the same time, uh, lower ratings? You know, ratings uh, kind of come and go, in my opinion, and I think the, the product itself is still the best TV game that there is. Um, I frankly enjoy watching it more on TV than I do in person, um, and I think many people uh, feel the same. Uh, television will continue to be a dramatically significant part of, a, of the NFL's revenues going forward. Again, ratings may ebb and flow, but the truth is, uh, at the end of the day, it's must-have content. Now, the platform for that content may change over time. Uh, you know, at this stage, we still have primarily uh, the traditional cable uh, providers and the cable platforms that have focused on paying the big numbers. The truth is, as the over-the-top models and platforms uh, solidify, whether it be Amazon or YouTube or you know any number of of other digital platforms, you know that likely remain becomes the future of any significant broadcast deal for any league in in around the world and certainly in the U.S. One of the things I've uh, been seeing some headlines about Jeff is that the price of the Panthers could have uh, could be a little higher than some people expect because there would be there, there will be some interest from foreign buyers um, now a corporation cannot own an NFL team uh, but as I understand it you do not have to be a US citizen to own an NFL team although all the NFL teams to date I, I believe are owned by US citizens I have a little bit of a, a problem with that only from the perspective of it seems to me the the foreign money, particularly in Asia, uh, there's been some problems recently. We've seen it with AC Milan, uh, problems with financing there, big debt problems. They're, they're looking for money. We, we, we uh, see it with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Pokorov was supposed to have already signed on the dotted line a deal to sell 49% to an Asian buyer, and, and that deal keeps getting delayed. I, I don't know that the demand or the, or the money uh, from overseas is at the level that it was, you know, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, that may be right, Mike, especially as it relates to China, which has, you know, tightened up its uh, all, all companies and individuals' ability to invest outside China. Uh, but but let's remember that there's a lot of wealth in the world, and Asia is only a, par- a part of that. Whether it's uh, you know wealthy individuals from uh, the Middle East or uh, or or other parts of the world, the truth is there there are many people around the globe that can afford uh, to to write a, a check that is required to become the control person of an NFL team. Now, that league is different, different than all others. They require not only individuals only to be owners of the club, whether minority or controlling, but they also require the controlling owner to own 30% of the equity. Now, 30%, uh, you know, used to be a number that was, you know, fairly easily pieced together by, you know, a wealthy person, certainly by a billionaire. Today, that 30% number 
you know, as the price of these franchises is projected to be in the three billion dollar range in many cases, uh, do the math. Um, you know, a couple hundred million of debt, which is uh, about all that's allowed. Two fifty, I believe, is the max in the NFL. The balance has to be equity, so that equity check becomes a nine hundred million dollar ish check, uh, which is a lot of after tax money that you know can't be financed through the club. Um, somebody has to have that cash or access to it in order to become the controlling owner. That's a lot of money, and that restricts the buyer group, regardless of what continent you're looking at. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money Podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. And this podcast is brought to you by Amica Auto Home and Life Insurance. When you call Amica, you can expect a different experience because Amica is all about customer service that goes above and beyond the ordinary. You always get the help you need when you call Amica. Visit meetamica.com slash Forbes today. So if it's uh, 30% of, let's say, the price supposedly that they're, that some people are talking about could be $3 billion, $250 million of debt uh, as the limit on the franchise – so, you know, then you're talking about uh, $2.75 uh, billion, and 30% of that, as you say, is like, what, $900 million or so. So how many people can write a check for that? I, I, I suppose there are enough, but um, uh, I, I just, I'm just not sure that that $3 billion price uh, can be reached. Um, I, I wanted to – speaking of debt – you know, it's very interesting because uh, the leagues do have these debt limits. Each of them are debt ratios that they look at, different covenants. Um, very interesting. When uh, Tillman Fertitta bought the Houston Rockets in the NBA, which also has uh, a debt limit of, I think, $250 million as well, what he did was he borrowed against his casinos – and his restaurant businesses, you know, I mean, like it was like one point seven billion dollars he borrowed against that. Um, could a prospective buyer of the Panthers would the NFL allow the same thing? Uh, their rules the same, where somebody could say, you know what, I can't park that debt on the franchise or the stadium, 
but I can go out and park it against my businesses that I own outside of the NFL? Well, certainly I don't want to speak for the NFL, but uh, from my experience in baseball, um, you know, third-party uh, loans are allowable to the extent that it doesn't jeopardize the finances of the person that's in control. So the truth is, uh, you know, every situation is unique. And, uh, you know, the good news from an NFL standpoint is there's only one club for sale. Uh, there's only one very wealthy individual that's required to be the lead person. And, you know, there's a lot of people that would like to own an NFL team. They say that, you know, that group of owners is still, you know, arguably the most exclusive group uh, in the world outside the U.S. Senate. Uh, at least that's the way it used to be. <laughs> I don't know that the Senate's still there. <laughs> yeah, it's probably uh, more uh, prestigious to be in the NFL. Hey, what, what about the stadium situation and the market in Carolina? They talk, they, they've had some renovations, they want more. Look, uh, there's been a tug-of-war between uh, public uh, taxpayer money being used. Um, uh, some people down there aren't that happy, but at the same time, every time they talk about the fact that the Panthers could relocate you know, uh, they, 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 people down there say, you know, we, we definitely don't want that to happen. And, and Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, has said he wants a team in Carolina. Uh, from your view, uh, in, in terms of, you know, putting it in quartiles of, of best to worst, how do you view that market and, and that stadium that the Panthers play on in terms of its impact on the purchase price? Well, I don't know the, the market dynamics well, um, but I, I certainly have friends there, and I have great respect for a number of people uh, that do business there. But, you know, the fact is every market is unique, um, and they all have their individual attributes. But let's remember that the lion's share of revenue in the NFL comes from the national broadcast contract, which is split evenly between the 32 clubs. So the fact is... Whether you're in Carolina or Green Bay or the New York Giants, you all get the same amount of the largest revenue stream that the league uh, uh, receives each year. So that, you know, stadium dynamics can differ from market to market. Every market has politics around its stadium, um, and Carolina is no exception to that. Uh, but the fact is, uh, you know, they're one of 32 teams in the NFL, and that's what's going to drive the sales price eventually. All right, so let's go on the limb here. Uh, I'll go first just to just to show you that I, I'm, I'm no scaredy cat. Um, last year, uh, when we did our NFL valuations, we valued the Panthers at $2.3 billion. In terms of what the team is going to sell for, I am going to predict $2.6 billion. Okay, what's your prediction? Well, that's interesting. I mean, look, based on scarcity value, which is, again, certainly a big part of, of any equation that's applied to uh, to determine value, uh, I believe that the team will sell, my prediction, $2.75 billion. Well, I'm sure the NFL likes that. That's a, that's a high number, but, uh, you know, I never thought the Bills were going to sell for 1.4, and uh, as you and I both know, uh, that that great uh, ability to write off the uh, intangibles or, or the the portion of the 
purchase price assigned towards uh, goodwill and intangibles over 15 years, which is the vast majority of the purchase price, is, is a huge uh, luxury, that a, uh, a huge benefit that the potential buyer will have. So uh, I think that'll play a part. At 2.75, all right, sounds good. Let's, let's get into now what you like, what you've been investing in uh, at Murad Sports Partners uh, in terms of sports businesses. What's hot to you right now, Jeff? Uh, to me, the hottest thing in the world is, is you know, global soccer. I mean, I think that that's, the, that's really the future. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm still a San Diego Padres fan and always will be. But, uh, and I love watching the NBA. Uh, but I, I, I really believe that global soccer is the future. Um, the, the most unique thing about it, Mike, is that, that there are no territorial restrictions from a team ownership standpoint. So that unlike in the U.S. where every team has a territory, you know, if you're the New York Yankees, you can't go down to Philadelphia and sell tickets or vice versa. Um, there are market restrictions. When we were in San Diego, we couldn't go you know, past Camp Pendleton and go into Orange County, which was Angels territory. So uh, in global soccer, there, there are no limits. So that if you're Man U or Chelsea or uh, any one of the, the major brands in England or even you know, elsewhere, Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc., if you want to set up a sales office in Los Angeles or New York, nobody's going to tell you you can't. You can you know, sell sponsorships globally. You can you know, attract uh, you know, fans from around the globe. And you can market yourself around the, around the world. And that, to me, makes that particular sport and that particular dynamic a really interesting one going forward. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Varidesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Varidesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Varidesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at varidesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com slash Forbes. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Jeff, does that also hold true for media rights? So if I'm uh, Barcelona or Man U, you know, can I cut my own, uh, you know, I know there's, there are, there's 
a domestic agreement, domestic contracts that they have where they bundle them all together and, and sell domestic rights. But as a team, can I sell, you know, a streaming service in uh, some country uh, that, I, you know, I don't play in? Uh, because I'm I'm truly a global brand, and I have you know I have Lionel Messi on my team or Cristiano Ronaldo. Everybody knows who they are. So, can I cut my own deal in the United States or someplace else if I'm Barcelona? Well, you, no, you can't. You can't on the on the core broadcast side because you're still part of, in Barcelona's case, part of La Liga, and La Liga does do uh, you know a, a rights fee agreement just like the NFL or NBA does. Um, here in the U.S., so that that that's that's not allowed. However, on the streaming side, it differs from league to league and from country to country. Um, you know, I will say that you know I, I do happen to know that the Premier League contracts uh, are are an incredible study of this particular issue, and in fact, um, I think that the Premier League has something like you know uh, 120 contracts with different countries around the globe and those rights have been steadily rising with the u.s providing a big punch uh, in value as nbc has had tremendous success with their broadcast of premier league games on saturday and sunday mornings uh, here in the u.s um, but those you know the the number of contracts is uh, is significant and the and the the dollars that flow from uh, or I should say, the economics that flow from those contracts are also significant, and they and they're then distributed back to the individual clubs in the league on a on a variety of formulas. So the the the, uh, the fact that there are no territorial restrictions with these global soccer teams, uh, as opposed to the global restrictions they have in the U.S. with Major League Baseball and the NFL, that largely pertains to selling sponsorships and things like that? Yeah, as well as marketing to fans, in particular marketing to fans. I mean, social media has made it a bit ubiquitous anyway, but uh, the fact is, in in global soccer, there there are no restrictions. I mean, I'm actually talking with the Barcelona club about... Uh, working on a project for them next year uh, through my class at UCLA's Anderson School um, that in part focuses on their ability to market uh, globally, um, certainly beyond Spain. And that's an interesting and, and fun concept. So I never knew that. So in let's say when you were with the Padres, you couldn't even market or advertise the team outside of your so-called market? If we went to Mexico, we had to coordinate with MLB International, which had the rights to Mexico. Obviously, to the west of us, we had the Pacific Ocean. And to the north, we had Camp Pendleton, and the Angels were in the territory just north of that. So the fact is, uh, no, San Diego is a very restrictive market um, with geographic boundaries, uh, let alone territorial boundaries, that uh, MLB has imposed that restrict what the team can do outside San Diego County. And that, that expanded marketability that the soccer teams have, that they, they are able to monetize that through their sponsorships and endorsement deals. Exactly. I see. You know, uh, let's look at a couple other businesses that some people feel are, are pretty hot right now and, and are uh, as technology keeps advancing are going to be ways to drive incremental revenue 
in the various sports. Uh, one is virtual reality, uh, and then there's augmented reality uh, technologies being used inside arenas and stadiums. Are any of those th- uh, that you find hold promise? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, augmented reality or anything close, let alone esports. Uh, to me, those are those are areas that uh, you know are attracting an enormous amount of investment dollars and people that are betting on their future. Um, I, I see it every day. I mean, I'm approached by an esports investment of some sorts literally every day, and sometimes multiple ones in the same day. So I think that those are areas that are exceptionally hot. Um, along with those, I would suggest that anything that focuses on, you know, streaming rights, live sports content, streaming, and and the advent of you know the the numerous platforms that focus on that type of of broadcast are I think going to be going to continue to be hot areas of investment going forward. Have you yourself? Uh been putting any money into any sports teams like you know like you said you know you love global soccer do you have investments in any teams there no we don't at this stage although you know we we certainly look at uh, at them when they uh, come up and uh, you know we've evaluated a number um, we'll continue to do that um, you know my interest is is a bit more uh, you know on the un- intellectual side at this point and and I think uh, at some point Probably sooner than later, we'll step up and uh, put our money where our mouth is. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Um, what about, uh, you know, talking about soccer, what's your take on Major League Soccer here in the U.S.? Uh, there are two very broad opinions on that. You know, some people are looking at the escalating expansion prices, you know, probably in the last five years going from $50 million to well over $100 million. Uh, And other people see it as a Ponzi scheme. They're saying, you know, geez, you know, you still have a lot of teams that are losing money and wouldn't be surviving if these expansion teams that seem to happen every other year, the proceeds from that weren't being divvied up and, you know, parsed out to the different teams. Is this a a sport of promise or is this a sport uh, being held up simply by the fact they keep selling expansion teams? Well, you know, look, a little of each, uh, perhaps, but, you know, I've also had the pleasure of going to games in Portland and Seattle and, you know, watching the, the, the fans and the fan support that exists in cities like that, whether it's Columbus, Ohio, or, or, uh, or other places. Actually, the LA Galaxy has done a very good job uh, here in Los Angeles, and, you know, Peter Goober and the LA Football Club are right on their heels uh, with a stadium that's near completion uh, right near the L.A. Coliseum that's going to be fabulous. So I think as the new facilities are built around the country, as the expansion continues strategically, obviously at a slower pace now as the league becomes near uh, you know, full strength, uh, I think that that league is, has done an, an admirable job. Uh, Don Garber in particular has done a great job of leading that league and creating a business model that's that's very very interesting now to be fair it's it it seems more like a single entity structure than it does you know a typical franchise model where most of the power and even the revenue base exists in the in the central league itself so that's a bit different than 
you know, football and baseball and basketball and hockey. But the fact is, is that it's working. And I think as soccer continues to, you know, kind of sweep the country in terms of interest and intrigue, um, whether it be as a result of concerns about concussions with helmet-to-helmet contact in football, or whether it be um, just the fact that there are uh, such global pressures around the sport. I think that, you know, we're finally seeing a a real, uh, a very real interest in the sport in this country, and I think MLS is very well positioned for that going forward. I know you're really busy. i got to ask you one more question, Jeff, before I let you go. Uh, I was uh, talking with Chris Paul yesterday, the superstar guard for the Houston Rockets, and, you know, one of the things we would get into is all his different endorsement deals. You know, he's, he's into headphones and apparel and all sorts of stuff. He's a really, really bright guy. But he said one of the things he'd like to see change, because he's also president of the NBA Players Association, is that he, you can't, as a player, invest in a business that a team owner has. So, for instance, you know, like if Peter Goober... Uh, has a new technology company or, you know, as a lot of guys, eSports take it, for example. A lot of these owners now are investing in eSports. He couldn't go invest in that company because Goober is an owner in the Golden State Warriors. And he said, you know, he'd kind of like to see that change because, you know, the reason why that rule was put in effect, as you know, is because it was thought of to be a way that team owners could circumvent salary caps or pay players more than just their NBA salary with these side deals. But I, I, I don't know. My feeling is it's, it's, it's high time to get rid of that, given how so many of these basketball or athletes in general are now looking to have equity in businesses as opposed to straight endorsement deals. But I'd really love to hear your take on that. Well, you know, look, I think there's a, there's a number of issues at work here. One of them happens to be the... Uh, the desire of leagues to make sure their sports remain clean so that, you know, for the same reason that owners aren't allowed to invest in multiple franchises, you know, players aren't allowed to invest with owners. Certainly they have a chance to be traded, ending up on other teams. It would be a real challenge to have to unravel any business relationship or partnership, you know, just because the player's been traded. And, you know, I just think it's a it's a real hornet's nest. I, I, I fear that, you know, from a from a you know uh, integrity standpoint, I think that you know the the, the competition, uh, uh, you know, folks at the different leagues are are being careful as they should be to make sure that players and owners don't get too involved with each other while the players are active uh, in the sport. So I actually think that it's. I guess I feel differently than you. I think that it actually makes sense uh, to be tough on those guidelines. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Chris Pauls of the world will have plenty of opportunity to invest post-career mm-hmm. with anybody they want to. Fair points. Um, so, uh, listen, it was great to chat with you again after a long time. And uh, as Morad Sports Partners uh, begins to invest more money, and uh, delve into the different sports leagues. And certainly after the Panthers are finally sold so we could see uh, what the price is and who is closer, we'd love to have you come back on again and be a guest on the Forbes Sports Money podcast, Jeff. 
Mike, that'd be great. And 275 or higher in Carolina, you owe dinner. You got it, my friend. It would be my pleasure. Be great Thank to you very much. It. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. I can't believe it. That Philip brought his little brother on our mission into orbit? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? No, 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 don't touch that. Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law. It is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.